everyone knows how to play poker. 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 But do you know how to play poker well? Well, get ready to talk poker strategy with the people who run the games. Hear interviews with the stars. Get information on when to play, where to play, and how to play better poker. 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 This is Poker Action Live, a weekly poker show with your hosts, Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez. And welcome once again, another program from South Florida, Poker Action Line, uh, currently in its eighth year. We've been doing this for <laughs> seven years now. We started in March of 2010. We'll give you a brief history here since we celebrated our seventh anniversary last week. Uh, you know, there's been shows on longer than us. Uh, Bernard Lee is uh, celebrating his 10th anniversary this year. And also, I would say that the guys from Annie Up have been doing theirs about 10 years. So uh, we were a little late on the bandwagon, but uh, we started back... At uh, 6.40 a.m., which is a sports station here in South Florida, James Crystal Broadcasting, and uh, we bought the time on the station. We did it there for 19 months. We started on Sunday mornings. That was the only spot open. So we did it from 9 to 10 in the morning. People driving to and from church, uh, listening to their <laughs> gambling fix. It was difficult getting <laughs> guests on at that, or, at that hour. Yeah, it was very tough. But uh we did it uh, for a while uh, from 9 to 10 on Sunday mornings, and uh, then we moved uh, to a slot after New York Yankees baseball, which was usually about 11.30, 11 o'clock, somewhere in there. But as soon as the Yankee postgame show, and the John Sterling postgame shows would, were just interminable. 40, 45 minutes. Especially if they won, and he had uh, a lot of nicknames to uh, trill out, but... Uh, uh, you know, there was a couple times where the Yanks went extras, played till like two in the morning, and we come on. And then. I dreaded the West Coast trips because then those games wouldn't start till eleven o'clock right. our time. Exactly. So uh, anyway, uh, we were on nineteen months there. We decided that uh, we were picking up a pretty good uh, national feed on the internet, so we strictly went to a podcast, and that was the thing to do at the time. And uh, so now we've been on seven years. Uh, the middle of March was our seventh anniversary, and we move into our eighth year here. And uh, i got to say, I'm pretty proud of the guest list that we've had over the years. Uh, tremendous players. You can always go back to our archives on the website, pokeractionline.com. Uh, we're carried by the Podbean feed there, and you can look back uh, seven years and find shows from that first year. I always tell people we have interviewed the top poker players from from the from the past uh, greats to the current greats and, and everybody in between for the most part. Well, when we were on in South Florida radio, uh, basically that was our focus, South Florida poker, and and it was new at that time. In fact, I think we started just before. Uh, the handcuffs came off poker, the hand, and they yes, changed the, the rules. Yes, the handcuffs came off on July 1st, 2010. We got started a in few March, months, a few yeah, months okay. before that. So, so we had, uh, you know, in the beginning, we had Mike Smith from uh, the aisle and a lot of the poker uh, directors. So you were a poker director at, yes, at so, that time. Uh, certain, well, certain I, times. I, actually, no. I was, Not in the I was in between show. directing both. Exactly. The same job, that I would get it back when July 1st came. So, But we, we concentrated on the Florida players. I have to say that. It was pretty much a Florida focus, so we had the local uh, sponsors from South Florida, uh, Jason Mercier, and we had uh, uh, the Griner, and, and uh, one show we had all four brothers on after they all cashed in the World Series. Yes. Uh, local friends like uh, Marshall Wolak and uh, Abby Daniels, and uh, that was a lot of fun, but we picked up more of a na- national focus along the way, as, as things tend to go, and decided that uh, we would concentrate on the podcast and uh, 
and get on as many uh, places as we could. And we are now uh, spread out pretty good. No, and let me tell you, Dave, you know, last week we were discussing how, you know, what what a destination stop South Florida has become for tournaments. Absolutely. With, with what the Hard Rock has done over here. And now that you're mentioning all of this, uh, you know, one of my interviews, uh, one of our interviews with Mike Smith was when he was the first poker room in the state of Florida to give a million-dollar guarantee yeah, on the tournament. That. And how much he sweated that out. Yeah, because they, they, were sh- they, they didn't have the numbers they projected on the first day. It was a two-day buy-in. They, they went over the numbers, and as we've always praised Mike Smith here, they've, he always did a wonderful job down here. At the and, and Mike, of course, moved on to open uh, Maryland Live, and uh, we have uh, still a lot of great poker down here, no question. But the Hard Rock is, of course, the huge uh, place to go, and it draws all the people every year. And I was over there the other day taking a look at the poker room, which is still going to be open for a little while. It's supposed to close at the end of May. And they're going to move the poker room inside to the ballroom and cutting the ballroom in half and taking but that it whole pa- I haven't been there since they closed. The whole pavilion is closed outside, right? Well, it's closed, but uh, I, the the building that Martiranos is in right there around that kind of circle right. center in the circle where they play music and that sort of stuff, that's already been torn down. Really? Uh, Hard Rock Live is still there, and I think there's still a couple of shows left there. Uh, the other clubs like Bongos and... Uh, uh, the Improv and uh, the Swamp and all those others are still up, but they're 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 going to be the next to come down. Okay. Then there's that whole area when you're walking down that level to the right where the lake was, which is where the hotel's going to be. And they have the pictures of the hotel, the big guitar-shaped hotel, and and uh, it's going to be fantastic over the next couple of years. But when you look at their growth, uh, it's pretty amazing. And, uh, you know, ours is on a much different level, but we kind of came along at the same time, too. We, we did. We did. We, we we were here at the very beginning with poker tournaments, and now we're, we're still with them now that they're, you know, reaching worldwide recognition on these poker Abs- tournaments. Absolutely. And... Uh, uh, certainly uh, was the focus of the poker world over the last month. Uh, we talked all about the tournament champions the last couple of weeks and the uh, Seminole Hard Rock Showdown, which is in its seventh year. All this stuff kind of happened together as as poker took off in South Florida. Uh, also along the way, we had lots of friends, uh, came friends with the guys from PPC Poker. We carry, we did a show yeah. at one of their tournaments. Joe actually worked for them a little bit here and there. And, of course, we had the sad news that they didn't pay their players at the uh, PPC Aruba, which is their uh, season-ending championship. Uh, the top five players, I think, did get paid uh, or got paid ten thousand yeah. dollars in Aruba, but didn't collect the rest of their money. Uh, so, and I wanted to start there because the story came out over the weekend. Earl Burton wrote it for uh, Poker News, and it, it talked about Brian Olton, one of the partners, along with Sandy Schwartzbaugh. Brian uh, filed for uh, bankruptcy uh, Chapter 7 in Florida, which uh, was filed in the U.S. Bankruptcy Court of the Southern District of Florida in Broward County. And uh, Olton stated he was 900000 in debt to almost 200 creditors. Uh, happy to say Joe's not one of the creditors. Nope. He got paid. Nope. Uh, and uh, including those players from that world championship in Aruba. And he has assets of 415 thousand. So uh, most of his assets are held in his home, which is a value to 338000 and 50000 in annuities. And he said he had no income at the present time. Well, that's what happens when you lie yeah, and cheat and get uh, shut down. Let me tell you, Dave, it, it's such a disappointment. It is. Me. It is. And I like it, those guys it, still. And Brian, uh, Brian, you know, treated me great. I've, I've, you know, I've actually had to go to his home. Um, you know, San, San, Sandy would treat me great when he needed me. <laughs> outside, outside of that, I, I won't comment much. But um, you know, 
uh, Brian is a great guy, and what's got me very, you know, ever since we spoke about this story uh, early this morning, it's been on my mind because, you know, I represented them, you know, as an ambassador to their to their tournament, to their company, you know, with great faith, you know, I mean, I, you know, I thought they had a novel idea. We've mentioned it on the show before. It was a special niche. And it, and it started to grow and make money. Yeah. What was very... And I was invited to go to their world championship in Aruba, but I had just started the job a month earlier at Dania. So, I, you know, Brian called me and asked me, hey, can I put you on the list for Aruba? And I said, thanks, Brian, but I can't go because, you know, I started a new job and I, I can't take eight days off a month into into my employment here. Um, what was this, you know, you know, when all of this came out towards the end of November, early December, some certain phone calls that I received from, you know, real nice people that I have met while representing PPC, like at Council Bluffs and and at the Harris property in Kansas, uh, here at Daytona, is people who I'd made friends with and had their numbers uh, calling me going, hey, you know, you know, Sandy's pushing really hard for uh, for people to invest in the company. You know, what do you think? And none of this had come out at that time. I had no inkling that they were going to do this, Dave. And I told these people, I said, well, listen, it, you know, they've they've partnered up some some with the Caesars Properties, which were the two in Council Bluff, Kansas City. You know, Maryland Live. You know, with Mike Smith's reputation on the line, they constantly. were close friends, very close friends. You know. I said, it, it seems to me like everything is, you know, is, is rosy. But I said, you know, it's, I'm surprised they're asking so many people for money. Well, lo and behold, we find out why, you know, a few weeks it, later. I'm glad I didn't tell him, yeah, throw your yeah, money, you know, right, give him exactly. your money. And, and just, you know, I said, listen, all I could tell you is, you know, I've been taken care of. But remember, I was just an employee there. You know, I found out also from, you know, later on. When someone came in who who works uh, in in Dania, I'm not going to mention names, but when I asked for her bosses, I said, "Hey, how are they doing?" And I said, "Did you hear about the PPC?" And she was like, "Oh, are you kidding? They both invested plus their parents." Oh, jeez. So you know, I hate to say this, you know, and, and this is just a, a, my opinion, folks, not based on anything other than. You know, the the word the Ponzi scheme was thrown around when all this news came out, and I didn't want to believe it. But when you hear about so many investors, you know where, you know, listen, pretty sharp guy. I, I don't know how much they were making on the individual tournaments because they had Mark Hoke reporting it. You know, they had myself or somebody else that they were sending as the ambassador to these things. So they were making some money. They were charging the casino some money for everything that was being put on the website and, and the promotional stuff of it. And I can kind of guesstimate what they made down in Aruba, you know, with with the buy-ins and plus what they were getting from the live poker games. It doesn't justify $900,000 worth of money coming yeah, from exactly. people. You know, it, this was a very small tour. That was growing. Well, I got I can't think that they started from the beginning with a plan to scam people. No, I but I don't believe that was it from the beginning, right? Yeah, no, no. But you see, my only thought when the first time I ever did this for them, it was in August up in, Pen- in uh, Pensacola, and I was up there, and I was like, okay, well, the World Championship was coming up just two two three months later. 
and it was fine. Then when I started representing them earlier in the year, I'm thinking, you know, wow, I just assumed, like in any real estate transaction, let's say, you put a deposit down as a buyer, the real estate agent is going to put that into an escrow account. That's not, not earning interest. It's just sitting there. You cannot touch it until either the deal goes through or, or the deal fails. Right. I'm, I was assuming that's what they were doing because I was bringing them checks from some of these people with their 20% that they would take out of the prize pool, which is you know what they would use to fund and, and to, you know, the trips. trips to Aruba. And, you know, they would start doing this literally a week, 10 days after they got back from Aruba. So in some cases, they were holding that money for almost a year. Yeah. Well, the legal ramifications will be worked out over time. There was never any denial from, from these two guys. Uh, uh, so that was a red flag right there. You know, you can imagine that some people are, are uh, you know, unhappy and and maybe want to fling a little uh, dirt around. But, uh, you know, there was never any denial. So it was pretty much like the hands caught in the cookie jar, I well, guess. Well, but there, there, there can't be any denials, you know, when yeah. you've got so many people that you owe. Now, you know, in that story that he wrote, I don't know if you mentioned it when, when you were saying this here. I forgot if you may, might have mentioned this, but he has filed for bankruptcy. But if a judge feels no, I didn't that, get the, to that no. if the judge feels there's criminal that there was a criminal intent on their part, then or then uh, you know <laughs> all deals are off at that point. Bankruptcy, they're not going to be able to file for bankruptcy and and protect their home and, and everything else. Um, I, I certainly hope. Brian doesn't have that happen to him or Sandy, but, uh, you know, this is a very ugly scenario. And what's very disturbing to me, Dave, is they had to see the writing on the wall because when I started receiving phone calls from people in Aruba asking me my opinion of whether they should invest in the company, you know, that 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 just tells me that was, you know, you, you, why are you asking good people to put up money? When you know, you know, they didn't pay out, what was it, at least a quarter of a million dollars between the people at the final table. Right. At least that amount well, of money. The top prize was uh, 133000 Okay, so right there you're talking 123000 that that person didn't get because he took 10000 Right. So when you add the top three, you're already over a quarter of a million dollars, I guarantee you. Anyway, the bottom line is that uh, the players at the final table that filed a suit against uh, the PPC, uh, Stephen Deutsch, Joan Sandoval, Michael Lerner, John Ott, and James Biedenell. And then there were two other players that were named uh, from for in the bankruptcy protection, including uh, Dorian Alejandro Rios Pavone and Steve Karp, our, our friend who has been on the show uh, and in the very beginning uh, on Mar a weekly basis. And wasn't Maryland Live and Tampa Bay Downs Mar also put they into were. that lawsuit that, or into were. that protection? They were. Uh, so, you know, there's other uh, big-name companies and that sort of things involved. Anyway, uh, as you mentioned, uh, should, credit, should enough creditors feel that there was unethical or criminal activity that contributed to the situation, they can petition the judge and he would decide if the Chapter 7 bankruptcy would be granted or not. So it's nothing that's uh, etched in stone here that they're going to get away with anything. Um, you know, I, I, I'm really sad and I wish there were different news to come out of it that, uh, that they're innocent, but uh, there hasn't been any denials and there hasn't been any... Uh, uh, forthcoming money coming back to these players. So, uh, with the bankruptcy, I think those guys, I guess, are uh, SOL. Oh, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Listen, they got to be at home, you know, worrying whether there's going to be criminal charges, yeah. uh, ch you know, based on them. And you know, 
a lot of pressure can be put to them from the uh, these big casinos that they had partnered up with right. that they had just broken through. That's the sad part, Dave. You know, they had just broken through with some of these, you know, uh, Caesars Entertainment and, and everything else, uh, you know, for this thing to occur. And this doesn't happen from one day to the next. Yeah, absolutely. You understand? They should not have been running these damn tournaments. They should have, you know, shut them down, given back the money. But, again, my my... My radar senses are telling me this is going to get a lot uglier yeah, before it yeah, gets for sure. there. And, and, and we all got burned, really. I mean, uh, our reputation somewhat on the line because we, uh, we talked about their tournaments. We promoted them. We liked them. They were good guys. And uh, we had no idea that anything like this was going on. Neither did any of their never, players like uh, Mark Kroon, uh, Ronnie Barda. Uh, people who represented them wore their patch, uh, invited people to play in these tournaments. I can remember going over to Tampa Bay Downs and, uh, and doing a tournament over there. Uh, Natasha Barber made the final table. And, and uh, there was, uh, you know, nothing but goodwill uh, involved with these tournaments. Right. And you've got to remember, you have Mike Smith down here at the aisle, then, then in Maryland Live, okay? They were able to con- continue their relationship with the aisle, their, quote, home, home casino because their office isn't too far from there. You know, Patrick Murphy opened in Tampa Bay Downs. You know, they, they, they entwined a lot of very good people right. into a very negative scenario. And like I said, I represented them at actually, for one day, four places. Because yeah. I represented them at Dania, one day at Flagler, uh, at the uh, you know, Magic City Casino, and then Council Bluff in Kansas, and then the Harris property in Kansas City. You know, I'm going back thinking and telling all these people, oh, this is a great concept. This thing has grown. These guys have done a great job. You know, and, you know, I apologize to any, any, any of our listeners who heard me mention this or met with me in any of these places. You know, I, I, you know, I promoted them because I thought that it was, you know, yeah, a, t- a, a, great, a great idea absolutely, run by, absolutely. by, you know, by, by two guys and, and, you know, I, I haven't even had a chance to be honest. I'm so embarrassed to even call uh, Mr. Mark Charlie down in Aruba, who was who's a casino man and everything else, and worked hand in hand with them there. I'm praying that he hasn't gotten backlash yeah. because of this. Well, uh, bottom line is, uh, you know, we'll find out what's going to happen. I really wonder where did it go wrong? When did the the plan change to maybe? Uh, you know, walk that fine line between good and bad and uh, right and wrong. Right. Uh, but, uh, you know, we'll find out. I think, as in any Ponzi scheme, as long as the money keeps going in uh, from sponsors and tournaments and sites and players, then you're able to pay the guys. So somewhere along the line, there wasn't enough money there to pay the guys, which is when all, all hell broke loose. Yeah, well, when people start asking to get returns on their investment, and guess what? The upsetting part, as news has come out on this, is to find out that last year's main event winner, I'm not talking about 2016, I'm talking about the 2015 winner, that it took three or four months after he had won his money, which was somewhere around 120000 if I'm not mistaken, to get all of his money. Five or six months to get paid, right? Yeah, it took him a while to get paid, and... You know, people were even, rightfully he upset. Even, even he didn't tell because, people about that. Well, you know, I don't know if he... I, I, first of all... The, I'm sure they asked him not to say anything. Of course not, and they probably came up with some sort of excuse. But you knew your company was bleeding money at that time because of how whatever deals they had already made, or as you said, money was drying up, 
you know, they, 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 I don't, like you said, I don't think they intended with this, but I guess right. people wanted to jump on the bandwagon and say, hey, let me give you some money to get a percentage of the company. And it didn't grow, you know, and I'm sure they're spending, because, listen, they took over the poker room in Aruba. Again, it, it doesn't look like you're thinking yeah. to yourself, how do, how do you spend 900000 unless you've done it for yourself? Okay, well, let's move on, but uh, I just want to mention it because the news coming out that there has been bankruptcy filed is certainly, uh, you know, an admission of guilt in, in, in pretty much uh, any, every way. They, they offered at Christmas time some sort of buyout deal with these people, didn't yeah, they? And nobody they accepted. No, exactly. Okay, let's take our first break in the show. Uh, we'll move on to happier news. Uh, did an interview with Matt Savage, uh, who is the tournament director extraordinaire. Uh, many events around the country and uh, always uh, interesting things to say. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk a little bit about Matt's new concept, uh, the social experiment. And we'll get into his thoughts on the Seminole Hard Rock events of uh, the last month and uh, what was going on there uh, and also what's to come with the social experiment, which will be take place in Los Angeles uh, in, in just a few days. We'll be back with more of the show after these messages. You're listening to Poker Action Line, and we'll be back after this. This is Poker Action Line. This is Big Dave for PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Want to know what's really cool? Your charitable tax-deductible donation every time you play. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com, the feel-good gateway to fun and prizes. Play free. Learn our system. Get 50,000 free chips and play for prizes. Play for scholarships that benefit Caribbean students. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Take it from Big Dave. A win for you is a donation to Caribbean education. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Ranger Station, Ranger speaking. Yeah, hi. I'd like to report a bear sighting. Location? My backyard. Oh, your backyard. Try telling a bear that. I did, and this bear talked back. Talking bear, that's rich. No, wait, it was Smokey Bear. Smokey? Why didn't you say so? I did say so. Continue. I was burning yard waste. No, boy. He told me to burn legally and responsibly, and to remember that if it's too hot to touch, it's too hot to leave. And as always, he's right. You know, 9 out of 10 wildfires are caused by humans. That means 9 out of 10 wildfires can be prevented. Yeah, I know that now. Thanks to me. Actually, thanks to Smokey. As usual, the talking bear gets all the credit. Get your Smokey on. Always burn responsibly and contact your local fire department for open burning regulations. Because 9 out of 10 wildfires can be prevented. Brought to you by Smokey Bear, the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Learn more at SmokeyBear.com. Only you can prevent wildfire. Welcome back to the show, Big Dave and Joe, uh, another edition of Poker Action Line, and uh, uh, always fun to talk with Matt Savage, uh, we got a chance, he always gives me plenty of time, of course, uh, uh, it's so interesting for the show, and he is involved in so many things, uh, I told him that I had just seen Lucky You, I gave you a copy of the movie, <laughs> yes, I'm sure you haven't watched it yet, but uh, uh, really good poker action in that movie, uh, it's, a, it's a love story, and it's uh, Drew Barrymore in it, and uh, a lot of big name stars. Uh, Doyle Brunson was the uh, technical, technical advisor. advisor. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't get that right this time. Uh, but a lot of other guys, uh, David Chu, and uh, uh, I think Madison was in it, and uh, Barry Greenstein. And it's funny that you mentioned David Chu. 
just real quick. Last week, Big Dave gave me a bunch of old card players, which I love reading through. And the first one had a picture of David Chu on the the cover from 2000. Jen Harmon was in it. uh, And a a few big-name actors as well. And Eric Bana, which was interesting because um, he played the lead uh, character in the story. And uh, a pretty good actor because especially when I saw the extras and they had the interviews with him, he has a uh, uh, Australian accent, a very deep Australian Eric accent, ba- uh, Eric Bana. And uh, you couldn't pick it up in the movie. I had no idea that he was Australian until I saw the interviews. So, you know, it makes a pretty good actor. I guess some <laughs> American people can well, go out there and do English accents ma- and that's British well, accents. Well, we've got a lot of British actors that, that well, you know, that, that you, can't, you couldn't tell they were British until they're off the air and then you hear them speaking in the, in, in, with, the, right. with the accent. Exactly. So anyway, uh, I had told him that I had just seen the movie, and he said, well, how much did you pay for it? I said, $2.22. And he said, yeah, that's about it. And he wasn't all that thrilled with, uh, you know, the reputation and how it was received, but I thought it was pretty good, especially (laughs) the poker play. Uh, with Doyle as the advisor, uh, well, you know, the well, stuff well, was great. It well, was, wasn't he pleased story. with what, uh, the, how the public perceived uh, I think, the movie? I think it's the acceptance of the movie. You Did know. They, I, since I haven't he, seen he, it, I'm he, just going to ask, was poker put in a negative uh, No, it was a very great story, and uh, Robert Duvall was in it. You know, because most poker, po- most poker movies... You know, the, the, when they use the poker, it's always for the degenerate gambler, the the guy who's uh, bet everything and, and lost on the river. And, you know, there are very few poker movies where they put a positive spin on it. Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, Duval was the father of uh, uh, Eric Bana in the movie, and Drew Barrymore was his girlfriend. And uh, uh, there's decent acting. And, and uh, you know, it, they, they had recreated the whole uh, Bellagio uh, poker room, which had just remodeled. So they got all the old equipment and they built a soundstage in Los Angeles that was just like the room. Negrano was in the movie. He said, wow. He said, when I walked in, I thought I was in the Bellagio. And no question about it. So uh, anyway, that was just one of the things that Matt did. And he uh, had a pretty big part in the movie. And uh, uh, you know, he does, of course, the uh, Bay 101 tournament every year, which is kind of his home base. And he is the tournament director at the Commerce in Los Angeles and the executive tour director of the WPT. Anyway, his latest uh, creation is called The Social Experiment. And uh, there's been kind of a mixed uh, review of that. A lot of people kind of like the idea. It's basically bands, uh, cell phones, sunglasses, headphones, and hoodies, or hoods actually, from uh, the tournament area, the things that maybe uh, keep the game from being social. Well, listen, I, I commented last week on what a big fan. How ha- I was reading the article, smiling from ear to ear. You know, this is how poker was played when I was growing up. Uh, it was it was more of a social game, and you know these tournaments. You know, even the tournaments where I'm at, you know, it's it's become nasty. You know, it really has. It's become nasty, and it used to be fun. I yeah, used to enjoy right. playing poker. You know, granted, the losing always sucks, but <laughs> but uh, you know, when when you're there, if if you have fun and you joke with the people and you get to find out about them, and 
you know, you, you, you have, as he says, the social some social yeah, interacting. Some well, it, a lot of people are comparing it to when they banned smoking from poker tables, and a lot of pe- yes, people well, that smoked all over, were, the, all over the world. Now. Well, when people that smoked were very unhappy and thought that was very unfair, and uh, you know, wanted to file suit and all this sort of thing. But as it turned out, ninety percent of the people were happy about it because they they hate the smell of the smoke and they don't want it at the Even table. smokers, you know, got to the point where they realized. You know, thank God they they implemented this rule because I couldn't stop myself from smoking at the table, and it got to the point where you know it becomes an inconvenience for you to go smoke because you're going to miss hands. Right. So, you know, yeah, I, I honestly I thought that was one that might even kill poker, and I was way wrong. Well, that's that what that's one. what people said. They said when they couldn't smoke, that was going to kill the game. It didn't. Uh, it's it's uh, thrived since then. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, this is a very small uh, experiment. It's a, it's a $350 buy-in tournament in a long series, very early in the series. And they're going to give it a try and see what the reaction is. And I think th- a lot of people are going to like it. But there are people out there that are very angry and are saying, you know, you can't tell us we can't do this. This is America. And, and, and quote, this these are the sort people who just don't want to be told anything. Right. Plain and simple, as we know. And we all understand that there can be some very downtime in poker and some very, very boring things. And you might want to entertain yourself with some other things uh, like this. You may want to protect your hand with the sunglasses. Uh, you know, the cell phones, you don't want to. Some people just don't like to talk with other people and want to concentrate on their own self. So, uh, you know, there's certainly understanding on both sides. But, hey, let's just see what happens, and uh, and we'll let it go. Anyway, I got a chance to talk to Matt. We uh, did have a discussion. It came later in the interview. There are plenty of things to talk about. And uh, we discussed a whole uh, host of options and, uh, and had some fun with our, our discussion here at the Seminole Hard Rock. WPT Tournament of Champions. I'm with Matt Savage. And... Uh, Nice little trip to Florida again for you. You had the big California swing out there, and then you got to jump right on a plane and come down here to South Florida. But it's always uh, nice down here. Yeah, I had Calgary in the middle too. So yes, it was nice to get down here to some good weather. Got out to play some golf and uh, you know to the pool a couple times as well. So while coming to Florida is always a work trip, it's also a time to have uh, a little bit of relaxation too right. because they got such a great staff and dealers here that makes it a little easier to get away. And now that Tony's settled in, Tony Burns, who uh, we also did a real nice interview with, uh, good friend of yours yeah. and, and doing a great job here, and it's always fun to get together and, and to work on a, on a big project like this. Definitely. I mean, you know, the fact that uh, we worked on getting him in here for oh, quite a while, me and William Mason, and, and it's worked out great. So, I mean, he's really adjusted to himself, and, you know, my key to getting him in here was that he knew the Florida players. He knew the air players in the area. So that was always a, super important to me because I think that, you know, once you know the players in the area and you have a relationship with them like he does, uh, it's going to make it a much better experience for the players. I think he's done that. You guys have been doing this for so long. It just seems so ultra smooth. I haven't seen any problems here. Uh, how has it worked out for you? It's been great. You know, we uh, generally coming down here, you know, they have such a great ballroom and such a great uh, surrounding to the event. I mean, not only is the hotel great, but there's also, you know, this ballroom and the, and the setup that they do for it. It's a, something we don't get in a lot of places that I work. And uh, while I think that's unfortunate, I think that the people at the top here really care about poker. Uh, so for me, that's the biggest part of it. If they didn't care about poker as much as they do, we wouldn't have the success that we do here. And it's, you know, 
I mean, she's spacious and you know, and great. And you know, with all the changes coming up, I expect even better in the future. And it's great for the property. They don't have to cut off their cash games. They have that over there, and uh, anybody that gets knocked out of a tournament can go over and play cash. So it's a great situation for them. Yeah, not only the cash games, but they also have great preliminary events and postlim events that they, people can play. If they bust out, they can try and get even in those events. And you know, there's just so many different things to see and do here. Uh, that you know, there's always something to do outside of the tournament if you're not doing that or playing another event or playing a cash game. I mean, there's a lot to do down here in Florida, which is great. You were one of the innovators of re-entry tournaments, which you felt maybe was not the greatest thing for the game in the long run. And uh, the Hard Rock has been able to work in a couple of tournaments here that are freeze-outs that have no re-entries. Um, is it something that you think will be on the increase in the next few years, or... People just looking at their bottom line and trying to cram as many uh, entries as they can in the tournament. Yeah, I mean, again, when I started re-entry at Commerce in 2010, I had no idea that it would do what it has done to the game. And, you know, the reason that I did it is so we could have a small buy-in and a big guarantee. And basically people turned it into a way to make more money and and, and, uh, change the way the game is played because... You know, those that have the bigger bankrolls, I think, do have the advantage. And, uh, you know, while people think that it's just the same set of circumstances, I don't really feel like it is. So I love the fact that, you know, William and, and Tony have gotten behind the fact that, you know, a single reentry or no reentry and a freeze-out is the way to go. Because I do think, you know, in, in the end, it's what's going to make this uh, industry thrive um, outside the expansion of the game uh, to outside of the U.S. and you know, Latin America and to China and to India, where we're going now with the World Poker Tour. I think those three things are going to make the game survive and thrive even more. You mentioned China, and I know that's uh, been on your mind for at least three or four years that you've been really pushing for that. Uh, where does that stand now? Is the game picking up over there? It definitely is. We have WPT Beijing uh, following this event in a couple of weeks. Uh, so the fact that we're going to be in mainland China in Beijing is uh, amazing. We've been in mainland China in Sanya uh, for a few years now, but just think of it, we have a shot at uh, over a billion people uh, joining our game, and if we do that, obviously it's going to grow exponentially. And, you know, in addition to that, we're already working on going into India, which uh, makes us truly the global world poker tour, which is what we've wanted for a long time, and another billion people that could possibly be a part of this great game. And so uh, I think, you know, those expansions are happening, and I think it's really exciting for poker. And I thought women in poker was the last frontier. But the China thing, uh, I mean, the game could just explode. And and not just Macau and Beijing, but, you know, such a huge country. uh, If it got to all parts of that country, it would be incredible. Yeah, you and I, Dave, have been fighting for the the women piece for a long time. And I think we still have a long way to go. You know, you see it out there. There's still a lot of negativity talk about, you know, the way women are treated in the game. And for sure, it's so important to me and, and you and and to many others that feel like, you know, we got to get carve that piece out. If we just get that number up to 10, 15, 20% of the game being uh, women, I think it would be a much more pleasant place to be. Uh, you've done so many great things for the game over the years, uh, starting out with the uh, standardiz- standardization of, uh, you know, poker rules. Everybody was, it was like the Wild West. Everybody had their own rules for such a long time with a TDA. You've kind of, uh, you know, it's not perfect, but uh, you've kind of established a real standard around the country for that. Uh, are you pleased with the way that's turned out? For sure I'm pleased. I mean, we have another summit coming up this year, the 30th and 31st, and it's going to be a lot of fine-tuning. And, you know, there's always new things that come up. There's always new rules, and people see new things all the time in this game, which is amazing to me. Think of how many hands have been played, and you just don't see everything. You know, I have a new, uh, couple new things that are coming up 
this year that you know we'll really tighten down the procedures and what we're doing so we can be more standardized and everybody's doing the same thing because I do think it's super important that you know even if you don't agree with something as a TD if you're doing the same thing everybody else is doing it's better for the game it's better for the players and it's better for the TDs that are out there trying to do their job I did a little research today, and I know you started as a dealer, uh, you know, as, like many have. You know, Tony has been a dealer, and, and really a lot of people who moved their way up to management have done that. And one of the big things for you was to, to cut out the abuse of dealers over the years. That was really horrible years ago, and now I, I never see that happen. Yeah, I actually started as a chip runner, so I started one, uh, okay. rung, <laughs> one rung lower. But I, you know, I enjoyed the industry, and I've always enjoyed dealing, and like I said, it was just a fluke that I became uh, in tournaments at all because I really enjoyed dealing. And, you know, where I came from in the Bay Area, San Jose, abuse was not tolerated. And it wasn't until I got out of that area where I saw so much of the other abuse going, you know, L.A., Vegas, and, you know, everywhere else that I went, it seemed like the, the treatment of dealers was, was terrible. So <clears throat> it's super important to me. It's been important to me my whole career. And, you know, a lot of times I'll take a less mechanical dealer uh, that has a great attitude, a great personality, and, and is able to handle the players more than somebody that's, you know, the best finely tuned dealer. So uh, it's super important to me. I think that, you know, the dealers are the frontline employees of the uh, casino industry, and they're vital to what we have today. You know, I have to ask you about this. Uh Despite the fact that, uh, you know, you've worked so hard on all these tournaments, you are getting a little guff in the press right now and maybe from some players for the social experience, mm -hmm. the experiment. Uh, tell us a little about that and, uh, you know, is it an overreaction of players or, because I certainly know that your heart is in the right place and people are going to definitely want to go in that direction, but there's a few who are really going to fight you on it. Yeah, I mean, you say guff, but I tell you what, I've got more positive comments than negative by a wide margin of people not only wanting to try it because they think it'll be fun and interesting, but also that, you know, people that are on their phones are distracting the game and couldn't, you know, is there possibly a, an issue with uh, cheating or whatever? You know, I don't see that as much of an issue. But what I do see is that it really has taken some of the social interaction out of the game. So this is a fun experiment. It's a one-time tournament. It's not something that I'm trying to push for, for, for further uh, use in all tournaments. But I would like to see... You know, maybe a, a one-off experiment uh, every few months uh, to see how it goes. If it goes well, we're going to definitely do it again. And, you know, maybe we'll put in another series here or two. But I definitely think it's going to be interesting to see uh, because I've always said that, you know, while I'm trying to do this, I'm one of the biggest abusers in the world of this. And even when I'm playing, I have to bring extra chargers and all those things because I, too, am addicted to social media and the phone and all of those things that, are, you know, have taken time away from you know, me thinking and doing other creative things. So I would love to see this work. I would love to see it go successfully. And those that are arguing, you know, their arguments are kind of silly, to be honest. You know, maybe I'll be cold and I want to have a hood over my head. Or, you know, I have light sensitivity. Or what if my wife calls me and I can't answer the phone? Well, you know, what happens when you're in a movie? What happens when you're in church for a couple hours? Are you, are you not, are you connected to your phone at that time? Are you, you know, and by the way, you can use your phone any time during the tournament. You just have to step outside the tournament area. Uh, I know that, uh, well, why don't you explain exactly what you're trying to accomplish? Uh, you know, you went into it a little bit, but uh, uh, is there any way you can change the game over? It's certainly not going to happen with one $350 tournament, but uh, you, do, you, do you expect it to get expanded if people seem to like it? I think it might get expanded. I mean, obviously, it's got a lot of press. Probably 15 different articles in about six different countries. People have been writing about it. So 
obviously I think there's a, it's a problem with our society, not with just poker, right? I mean, people are addicted to their devices. They're causing car accidents. People are texting while they're driving. People are looking at their phones while they're uh, doing everything, walking into people. I see people, you know, there's videos all over YouTube about people looking on their phones and walking into water fountains and things like that. So it's definitely a societal problem. It's not just with poker. So I think if people look at what they're doing, uh, as I have had to look at what I'm doing and how it's affected my life, I think that this is a good way to open some eyes and maybe uh, make some changes, not only to poker, but to the rest of society. Okay, two last things. Uh, I know something you've been encouraging for a long time is the uh, proliferation of mixed games, which really just doesn't seem to be happening. I mean, you did have a $2,200 PLO tournament here in this series, and of course you can get the big tournaments, uh, many different kinds of games at the World Series of Poker, but it just doesn't seem to be kicking in quite the way a lot of us would like to see well, you know, I think a lot of people see No Limit as, as the uh, only game, and it's not. You know, I uh, enjoy all the other games. I'm better at them, too. For, for me, it's, it's a better thing. But I think if people stepped in and played some of the other games, they might uh, regain some of their interest in poker, and I think that that's important. Uh, I would love to see people play more games. Obviously, if they're getting more enjoyment and playing different things, uh, they may come back to the game. They may uh, find out different ways that uh, they can make a make a buck or or play these other events that are quite fun. And you know, these other games, like we were talking about before, the social experiment, are more social. People are talking to each other. People are, you know, paying attention because it's a seven-card stud game. You need to see what the uh, up cards are. You need to pay more attention. So I think that might be some of the problem, that people don't uh, pay attention as much as they'd like to. So, you know, with no limit, you can just look at your two cards and turn it off. You know, make decisions based on what you have. Whereas these other games, you may have to make decisions based on what everybody else has. So I think that, uh, you know, mixed games have a definite part in the growth of the game, and I would obviously love to see more and more of it. Just from here today, uh, you know, look at the final three tables. These are the best players in the world, obviously, all on the Champions Cup. And I think I saw one headphone, one hood, and one pair of sunglasses out of all 21 guys or something like that. So it's really not that big a deal. Right. I mean, it doesn't seem like it is. But, again, uh, you know, with the TOC, uh, I think that you see that these guys are good players, right? They have won championships. So uh, it's fun to watch all these guys get together and uh, see how they interact with each other. And it's been more social, too, to be honest. It has been more social. I've seen it. Last thing, uh, World Series of Poker is what it is. The WPT, huge expansion over the last few years going all over the place. But i got to say, probably the two most important tournaments uh, that people seem to enjoy the most are Bay 101, which you just finished, and where you're uh, a regular uh, tournament director at, and the Hard Rock, where you come here. Uh, this place has just expanded so much and is so popular, and they're taking it to the next level this summer. So um, that's got to say something about uh, who you are and, and being associated with these two huge events. Yeah, I mean, you know it. Uh, I don't have to tell you, but uh, from where they've come in 2009 when I first came over here and then worked with William Mason to where they are today is definitely the most impressive growth and change of anything I've ever seen in poker. Uh, They have just really grown up here. William has done amazing things here. He doesn't get enough credit. I really hope you put something in there about him because 
uh, while Tony's here, and he's been here two years, without Williams pushing for these guarantees and the people above him that are supportive, uh, Larry Mullen has just been... Larry Mullen. It's just been unbelievable that the growth that they've had, and really, they are a true force, and they could actually make headway on some of the biggest tournaments in the world. You know, I don't have to mention their name, but the World Series of Poker. They're, they really have a focus on becoming the biggest and the best here, and, uh, you know, with the things that they're doing with the property, they really have an opportunity to do that. And South Florida poker is, is amazing. You know, there's so much poker out there right now, and it's so difficult because there's always something going on all the way across the country, but they seem to figure out how to get people to come down here, even with the hotel room situation the way it is. And I think that that's going to be improving. They're getting more hotel rooms. Uh, I think it's going to be an amazing future for the uh, Selma Hard Rock property. And having the grinder and the chip lead doesn't hurt. It uh, makes it for a little excitement for South Florida poker fans. I tell you, you know, it's one of those things where you guys have so many great players that come out of here. Rob Mizraki almost won, the, you know, the $10,000 finale. But also Michael Mizraki making the final table here last year in the TOC. And, you know, Jace Mercer winning the 25000 And Jason would die to be in this tournament, trust me. You know, he talks about, uh, you know, winning a WPT. And Phil Hummer talks about winning a WPT so they can get into this tournament of champions. And, Others out there, you know, me, myself, I'm jealous. I would love to play in this event. I would love to be a part of the Tournament of Champions. So it's fun to watch, and it's fun to see so many great players coming out of South Florida and personalities as well, you know, the Grinder and and Jason and and all these guys that have come out of here. Really, you know, they are our industry. Uh, They are the top pros in the game, and it's great to see. Uh, One last thing that I forgot to mention is the action clock. Uh, which seems to be a total non-factor here. I mean, you don't even notice it. It's, it's you hear the you hear the beep go off occasionally, but there certainly has been no problems. And uh, you know, you guys made a few tweaks from last year, and uh, that's got to be the next big thing to catch on everywhere for for these huge tournaments. I think. Well, I tell you, it's going to be uh, it's interesting to see because I would love to use it more, but again, I think it has to be in a controlled environment. And again, the dealers that are here dealing with it are the some of the best dealers in the industry. Let's not, let's face it. So it is small, controlled environment, players that know what they're doing. All of those things are factors on making the action clock work. Now, the question is, is could we make it work uh, on a bigger scale? And I think it would be tougher if you had, you know, a 1,000-player field to make it work uh, effectively. So what we're talking about using it is maybe for final tables or deeper in the tournament. But, again, my fear with that was always changing something midway through the tournament. So I think if you schedule it in advance and put it in, in writing in the structure sheet that, hey, we're going to it at this point, it could work and it will work, and I think that we're going to be using it again in, in more events. Uh, you know, Protection Poker and the Ashton Clock have done a lot for this event, and I think that the players, there's not a single complaint about it. Everybody understands it, everybody's using it, and I think it makes the game better. Okay, big day tomorrow, final table uh, at the... I guess right across the hallway here. Yeah, it's going to be great. So we're going to, it's going to be an interesting thing. I think we're doing it in Hard Rock Live. Okay. Way. Yeah, but it's going to, you know, if we get the grinder back to back final tables, Jonathan Jaffe has a shot to make back to back final tables. And, you know, some of the best players in the world are in this field. And, you know, our seasoned champions uh, are there as well. So uh, it's fun. I love this event. Uh, I'm so proud that we have this for the WPT and that we work so hard to make it uh, good for the players and make them feel like they belong to something. Congratulations again. Thank you, Dave. That is Matt Savage, and uh, as it turned out, um, Daniel Weinman was the winner of that uh, Tournament of Champions event, uh, defeated the Grinder head-to-head, who finished second, and uh, I think Jonathan Jaffe was the first one out uh, the final table, so uh, he mentioned a couple of those players, but it was really a great field and a great tournament. Uh, also, the action clock is really 
the second year they've had that, and it worked fantastic again and moved right along, and I think it's going to be a staple down the road somewhere. I certainly hope it is, and I hope it becomes a staple in not only WPT, but the WSOP, you know, it's just too long, Dave, and that's why why we need that that that, that uh, time clock. So uh, Matt has been involved in the forefront of trying new things. He was really the guy who came up with re-entry tournaments, which he's not thrilled about now. It feels like maybe that was not a good thing for the game of poker. Uh, but of course, it's good for the uh, the house, uh, the the tournament venues. It 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 seems more like a necessary evil. Yeah. You know, you you've always hit on the fact that hey, it's not fair to guys with deep pockets to the guy who you know looked forward to saving up all year to put up you know two, three, four, five, ten thousand dollars in a tournament and have you know have his poker Get out dream. Moneyed. You know, have his poker dream, you know, and you play and you knock somebody out and then maybe on the second day that same person you knocked out is knocking you out of a tournament and you're like, wait, you know, this 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 should not be happening. Yeah. But like I said, without the without the reentries, you probably can't get those guarantees. Yeah, it has have helped the, the the game grow. There's no question about that. But it also has penalized people as well. So uh, I guess the jury's still out on that. Uh, the social experiment, we'll have to see how it works. I, I had some interesting comments there, and I think. Uh, uh, I think that uh, he's on to something here. I, 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 I so do I, and it would be great if this gets implemented in the next couple of years because it will take a little while for this to get there. Right. But I, th- I think once you start pushing people towards that, they're going to find out how much fun it is to actually be there with some people. And, you know, guess what? If you're if you're a wallflower, this is time to start blooming and start trying to see if you can interact. Guess what? Top poker pros have been doing that for years. Daniel Negrano loves to talk to you to get information out of you. Maybe it just everything changes. I don't know. I, I'm I'm really rooting hard for that. Well, we'll see what happens. That's coming up. I believe it's April 28th will be that tournament out in Los Angeles at the Commerce uh, for a big series, and uh, we'll have to check it out when it happens, and uh, we'll talk about it again. Anyway, uh, let's take our final break on the show. When we come back, we'll finish things up and uh, take a look ahead at what's uh, coming up. Uh, we're not too far away from the World Series of Poker uh, and we should be having a big press conference coming up soon uh, from those people. So uh, certainly a lot of fun, and we'll uh, keep an eye on everything that's happening and bring it to you here on Poker Action Line. We'll be back with more of the show. Finish things up when we return. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. A lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, The prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. 
However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean, and you can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. Tuesday nights on WFO Radio are all about Nitro. Join Joe at 7 p.m. Eastern each Tuesday night for the live edition of NHRA Tuesday Nitro. Race winners stop by to talk about bringing home the Wally every Tuesday night following NHRA national events. Tony Schumacher. Tony, welcome back. Love being on the show because you usually meant... And we did something absolutely amazing. NHRA Nitro is available on demand anytime at WFORadio.com. Back for our final segment of the program tonight, Big Dave and Joe. And uh, uh, talked about the good, we talked about the bad. Uh, certainly there could be some bad on the horizon uh, for poker uh, as... Uh, Donald Trump's cabinet kind of gets involved in uh, certain issues. Of course, the Korean thing has really uh, taken the headlines over the last uh, couple of weeks. Uh, we've had the immigration uh, uh, situation, and of course, uh, oh. the, some of these little things will be still to come. Yeah, and, like and, poker, and, like and, online and poker. And let's hope, like like they did with the uh, with the. Well, I, can't, I never remember the proper initials for the the. the Back in 2006. Oh, the uh, UIGEA. Yeah, you know, which was coattailed on a terrorist bill. Yeah. You know, which was to me extremely uh, despicable. A safe ports that, uh, bill. That, you know, uh, and protect and, people. From and now that we're going through this with South, Korea, you know, with the, the Korean crisis out there with, with North Korea, you know, let, let, let's hope they don't enact another uh, bill that has to pass and then try to coattail this one also. It's just very despicable that they put that online bill there. Well, by the way, I. Uh, uh, saw today that uh, Chaffetz, Jason Chaffetz, uh, who was one of the f- fighters against online poker, has decided not to run in 2018. That he says that, and I agree with this, uh, that uh, you know it shouldn't be a lifetime job. It should be you know something that you do for a few years in the Senate or the House. And, and uh, so he doesn't mind with a lawmaking. lifetime ban on, on online well, poker, yeah, though, but, but he yeah. doesn't want an online, a lifetime job. Well, it's just I, I think some of these people get so entrenched in these political positions that, uh, you know, they, they, they really uh, know all the tricks and all the turns, and, and, and they're not valuable. As, all they want to uh, do is get reelected. political they, leaders. And, and yeah. Yeah, they yeah, see right. what the majority of their voters want, regardless of whether it's good or bad, and then, then they got to attach their names to these beliefs. Well, anyway, there's some stories coming out lately that uh, the Attorney General, Jeff Sessions, uh, could start to act uh, in uh, getting a ban going for online and in reverse even the, even the states that have had online poker for several years, uh, Nevada, uh, Delaware, and New Jersey, and uh, n- no grandfathering or anything like that, that there could be a cut in all those things and that uh, online poker could disappear completely from the U.S. again. So there's a lot of buzz out there and speculation uh, that, that uh, Sessions could overturn that legal opinion that came out from Eric Holder in 2011 under Obama, 
which uh, basically opened the gates for uh, online poker to return on a state-by-state basis. So uh, regulation uh, is what we've been shooting for and uh, protection for players, and there's so many good things that come out of this. Uh, Unfortunately, uh, it could be just cut off totally, and uh, as a big contributor, uh, Sheldon uh, Adelson has, uh, you know, kind of pushed his way in and, and may get what he wants eventually here. So we'll have to wait and see. Anyway, uh, uh, some stories are out there now. Gambling Compliance has a very interesting story, and uh, they carried some of it on uh, Poker News. Uh, Dan Katz did a story on it now. So we'll find out about that clarification of the Wire Act and what will happen. Uh, Sessions said he would revisit it at some point. Uh, certainly, sports betting doesn't look like it's going to happen every time soon, anytime soon. But uh, we'll see what happens as far as uh, online gambling, online poker, and uh, a wire act interpretation change could kill all of that. Well, listen, I'm certainly hoping that these, you know, that, that nothing gets done there, that, as most poker players are. But you know, who the hell knows? Yeah. This, this is going to be a roller coaster ride for the next three and a half years also, of Trump. Also, speaking of uh, legal, we're halfway through the session in the state of Florida. We have the House bill and the Senate bill that are really going nowhere. And are, when they are moving, they're moving in opposite directions, whether uh, we're going to have increased gambling around the state, whether it's some of these uh, counties that uh, have had positive referendums supporting uh, slots in their county, whether they're going to get those. And, of course, slots tied in with poker because it certainly is, uh, improves the business in some of these places and makes, makes the poker rooms better. Well, listen, I have I have little to no faith in the state of Florida yeah. politicians. You know, I hear you. Every, every time you tell me what what the house is going this way, the Senate is going in the other way, I feel like I'm hearing the tune from the end of the Benny Hill show. You know, at the end when they're all rushing around real quick and that song is playing. So, yeah. uh, you know, this is welcome to Florida politics. Well, there's a bunch of court cases working their way through the system. Uh, you know, we still have to have a, a some sort of uh, expansion or or extension of the compact with the Seminole Tribe. Uh, We'll see what happens there. Uh, The latest word is that, uh, you know, obviously the Senate wants to allow eight counties that voted for slots and non-binding referendums to add them. The House wants to, quote, erect a firewall against the expansion of gaming in the future, according to Mike LaRosa, who is from St. Cloud, uh, saying that there would be no more loopholes. And uh, different comments from different, uh, you know, uh, legislators like Richard Corcoran said uh, this compromise is a heavy, heavy lift. Bill Galvano, who's always been on the side of uh, expansion of gambling, said he couldn't guarantee that ultimately we'll have a final resolution this year. So again, it's 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 up. I'm going to go out on the air. limb and say they're not going to have a resolution. That's what I with, with everything that we've read about the House bill and the Senate bill. Uh, of course, the uh, racinos, the racetrack casinos, the highlight casinos are hoping for a drop in taxes. They want to add blackjack. And, uh, you know, there's lots of questions on what's going to happen with some of these laws and rules. Uh, a lot of the dog tracks want decoupling, where they're not forced to have dog racing in order to operate slots or poker. Uh, still, uh, you know, it's still a mess up there. And now they're 30 days through a 60-day session, and we really have uh, no, nothing moving forward. Yeah, well, like I said, welcome to Florida politics. It's not going to make everybody happy, as uh, Nick Sordo put in his article, and he says uh, uh, eventually uh, it 
allowing the Seminoles to continue what they've been doing yeah, will it, will uh, prevent an, a huge number of people from being unhappy. I mean, think about it. You know, they took the handcuffs off when we mentioned earlier in the show, 2010, July 1st of 2010. We had the Penny Annie Poker f- from 97. So you're talking 13 years, you know, before, you know, you know, somebody was smart enough to open up these doors. They've, they've, you know, reaped the benefits of the extra of the extra money, and um, you know, this is the same thing. They're, they got to get hit over the head with a two by four, so so they get some common sense into them yeah. to allow this. Eight counties, Dave. Eight counties. The voters have have voiced their their opinion, their what they want done, their desire, their desire exactly. And yet uh, Tallahassee's trying to tell them, no, that's not exactly what you want. Right. Well, we'll see. Uh, a lot of things can still happen, and uh, we're keeping an eye on a few other things happening in the sports world uh, as far as Paramutual goes. So we'll have some future uh, discussions on some of that as well. But uh, uh, I don't know what's going to happen. And uh, so far, I, I don't think they know what's going to happen. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and they're the ones who are supposed to tell us. One thing I also want to mention, uh, Ivy Poker. Remember the Ivy League uh, yeah. that Phil Ivy started? Uh, they used to upload a lot of training videos, so that was a training site as well as some kind of uh, a play site, and uh, they have cut back on all their coaching content, uh, and it's uh, kind of a one of their teaching weird pros. thing You there. see who was one of their teaching pros? No. Ronnie Barda? Oh, right, yeah. I knew Ronnie Barda was in there. Uh, Chris Fox Wallace, who uh, was involved with the PPC guys, and I was very unhappy with them. So yeah, he and was Ronnie was there. Too. Ronnie Barta was there, like spokesman. They right. had his pictures all over the place. Ronnie, you know, apologized for the, you know, to anybody who got damaged by what PPC did. So. Right. And uh, finally, uh, the uh, season 16 of the World Poker Tour got underway uh, as the season ended down here. Uh, the new season in, started in Beijing. And uh, we'll be reporting on some of those results uh, as we move into several tournaments. But uh, there'll be a couple of World Poker Tour uh, events before uh, the World Series of Poker. And we'll start to get uh, talking about some of those things over the next few weeks. All right. Well, another show in the (laughs) the books. (laughs) Uh, That's going to do it for us. Uh, We appreciate you being with us. And uh, we'll bring you more uh, over the next few weeks. Work on some guests for you and and have some fun. But... uh, our thanks to Matt Savage, spending a lot of time with me, and a uh, great interview. Uh, always enjoy talking with Matt. Did a great job uh, running the events over there, along with Tony Burns and the Bill Mason and the whole group over at Seminole Hard Rock that's just uh, emerged uh, to be a force in the business over the last few years. Anyway, that's going to do it. We'll talk to you soon. Gio, thank you uh, so much for everything, and uh, Joe, thank you as well, and we'll talk to you more next week on another edition of Poker Action Line. The views and opinions of the hosts, guests, or callers are not necessarily those of the station, its owners, advertisers, or agencies. 